It is time for another Short Shoot Show where we talk everything triathlon. And my name is Will McCloy alongside me once again and, and always. Chris McCormack and Annie Emerson. I'm not even going to bother giving you the titles and all their achievements or whatever. You can just Google them. Uh, I'm sure Macca wrote his own Wikipedia page so you can just uh, Google them. But rest assured, they're both uh, been on top of the world in uh, multi-sport. And now it's time to talk about what's happening, uh, not in the ancient past, but instead in the present, uh, which has just been the World Cup in Lisbon as we move closer to Tokyo. We'll start with Maka. How are you, mate? Are you, are you well? Are you, what, what's yeah, going just, on with you? Uh, off a good weekend of racing. was, you know, kicking back here with the family and plugging into what was happening over there in Europe. It's just great to see some racing going on. And now you feel that momentum towards the Olympic Games in multiple sports. But I guess as a triathlon tragic, I, uh, I love following what's happening in the triathlon world. So it was a, it was a good weekend across Ironman racing and a, across the WTS racing. So I had a good weekend just plugging into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're really getting down to brass tacks now. It's getting very, very close uh, as we're seeing, of course, start list change as people are qualified and people are still scrambling. Uh, Annie, how are you? How was your um, weekend up there in uh, in the UK? Probably roasting May, late May temperatures of 12 to 15 degrees. Okay, well, to start with, we're just going to get the banter over and done with. The only thing you've got over me and Will is obviously age, but other than that, there's nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, cool. That's cool. But you, okay, two two points to that. You guys peaked too early. I'm still yet to reach my zenith, right? You're just on the long, slow decline to death, and you're going to get there before me. So who's the real winner, right? That's what I'm asking you. Having said that, I've probably you'll never be a world champion, and you'll never be a world number one. You don't know that. What? Well, wait, what in triathlon? In anything. In anything. I, you just won't live to see the day. Right, that's what I'm saying. If you, the right? thing is in triathlon, will the older you get, as you get, you can age up and you can win like the 80 to 85 age group in Ironman or something. So just stay alive long enough, and you'll hang in there to, yeah, to potentially win one. Out, outlasting, mate. That maybe that's what it is for me. I mean, yeah, it's all good to win the champion, whatever. Right? I could be. It could be esports. I don't know. Like, or I could just like live vicariously through my daughters, which I'm going to push him like push him like Tiger Woods. Like, just do nothing else, break up all their relationships, live vicariously through them because I don't have any skill, all of that stuff. Anyway, we will be talking to an actual relevant triathlete in Tyler Mislachuk later in the show. Uh, he got back racing um, on the weekend. Uh, didn't go well for him. Uh, after 19 months out of the game, uh, ended up with a flat tyre, the first in his entire career, if you can believe that. But better now than in Tokyo. Um, big weekend of racing, as you say. In Lisbon, we started with the mixed team relay. Now, there was... Um, certainly some some reason for big big names to join that. Uh, still three spots left uh, for Tokyo. So the top three were going to qualify. It was nice and cut and dried like that. In the end, it was Belgium, Italy, and the Swiss who get through. Um, Belgium just looks so strong. Martin Van Riel, Claire Michel, Valerie Bartelomey, and Yella Gaines is a great team. Um, there's no doubt about that. And Van Riel just looks so comfortable, Mac. Yeah, I think the great thing about the relays and watching that event in particular was in order to be successful at a relay, you realise you must be balanced across men and women. It's one thing to have a, sh a strong male base, but if you don't have that backup power on the women's side, you get left exposed. We saw that with Norway, who have such a powerful male team and just didn't have the depth in, in, the, in the female racing. But uh, the Belgies were just incredible. They, they were very, very controlled. I think Martin Van Riel making that attack out of transition um, to bring the Belgies home. It was just a, a very, very comfortable race. And what I liked about that as well was the men then had to back up only about an hour and a half later to do their individual racing. So it was uh, overall, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And to see Nicholas Spierig go to a fifth Olympic Games, qualify Switzerland in the relay, her first experience at a relay in Olympic Games, and and they look rock solid and strong. And seeing her run time across that relay, and then correlating that to the run time she dropped in the in the individual race the following day, man, they they're, they're going to be tough. Tough, tough in Tokyo. I think uh, they're coming into their their form at the right time. What are you, Annie? What do you think? 
well, I, I mean, I, I love the mixed relay. It, you know, it's, it's chaotic, it's crazy. You know, as Maka said, everyone counts. You cannot have a, a weak leg. But it was really important yesterday, or when was it? Friday now. Um, because the top three, I think, automatically qualified. So there was a huge amount to play for. And a lot of teams, you know, were left wanting, really. Um, I think, as you said, that the Belgian team, you know, they, they really put themselves, you know, I think, in, in a position where people will be looking at them come Tokyo. They're a really strong team right across the board the Italians were great they secured their their spot and and the Swiss I mean Nicola Spirica at 39 years of age how does she do it and she looks fantastic you know it's she looks just so strong at the moment so um you know just at the moment you just go you wouldn't bet against her for a medal would you you know it's incredible you contrast back to to pre-Rio Olympics Annie you'd have to agree we weren't really it was all Gwen Jorgensen Gwen Jorgensen Gwen Jorgensen Nicola had had some time out to have some kids and and sort of came back in and found that momentum Gwen had dominated you know the WTS series had dominated races go back and watch it if you haven't seen it go back and watch that Rio Olympics to anyone watching and, and see just what Nicola Sperig is capable of, and looking at what you've done in the last couple of years is irrelevant in her case. She's got a plethora of of of, of talent and, and and years and years of experience, and she showcased that at the right time again coming into the Olympic Games. She is one tough woman. Yeah, well, well, what's interesting about her, and we're going to talk about the women in just a minute, is that she's been on the cusp of retirement multiple times. Um, and then decided at the last minute to turn back or obviously Rito, her husband, is like, I'll look after the kids and he stopped with his work. And, you know, it's, it's not as if she's been 100%, not, of course she's been 100% committed, but she's on, been on the cusp of hanging it up and thinking, I don't think I can go on. And then and then now she, with the performances she's had on the weekend um, and obviously we've got her in the sub-7, sub-8 project as well, we, we think that she's one of the two women who could, blow eight hours out of the water for an Ironman, which is completely at the other end of the scale from qualifying for the mixed team relay, she still can do everything and do it just about better than everyone else. And as you say, you wouldn't bet against her for a podium position in Tokyo and another medal. She's already the most successful female triathlete Olympics-wise there is. And this would just cement her in such a in such a fashion. And like the, There was a lot of talk about her age during the telecast. And I think that at some point you've just got to put that aside and just go, she's just better. Like regardless of even if she was 22, she's just so strong and she just looks like an absolute machine. But anyway, we'll we'll get to the women's later. Let's talk about the men's in a minute because we're going to go to Tyler Mislachuk very soon. Another week, another win. Christian Blumenfeld, he's peaking coming into the Olympic Games, setting down a mark for the rest of the field to respond to. Uh, is it too early? Like he's got, he's racing. He's just racing next week. He's racing the week after that. He loves a race. Like, should he be in this kind of form, like in another like eight or nine weeks away? I mean, what do you guys think, Maka? Like, he's obviously dominant at the moment. Uh, look, I, I, it's hard. I was, I was literally thinking that as I was watching him compete on the weekend. I thought, wow, we're sixty days out from the games, or sixty-five days out from race when he raced on the weekend. We're now sixty days out, and. Uh, and I was thinking, man, is this too early? Are the other athletes like watching Mario Mola, who didn't deliver such a big run, just sitting back there and, and not coming through at 60 days out? But knowing Christian Blumenfeld and knowing how hard he trains and preps, I think this is part of the plan. Like I, I don't think he's doing anything that he wasn't in the plan from the Norwegian side of, of things. I think if anything, maybe the other athletes are, are not where they need to be. But I don't think Christian is either. I, I think there's a bit of improvement in him. And uh, I think he's an athlete that will find that momentum. I just hope he doesn't plateau and he can still keep that upward momentum and we see a, a gap closing. But right now, his swim is very, very strong, which has been a problem for him in the past where I did see a potential issue for him come Tokyo. His, his bike is right there. And his, the way he's running these races, he reminds me of Peter Robinson, the way he changes pace all the time. It's fantastic. It's a pure running style runner in, in a triathlon. And, and he... Uh, he just continually drops these surges that breaks people. I think uh, I think we'll see some improvement, and I think he's definitely put his hand up to be one of the medal prospects come Tokyo. It's interesting, and you, you mentioned it, and Annie will we'll talk to you on this one, but like his run sprint. So when he gets on the run, it was, it was a pack of – well, Schomburg was out early, like he does, and we'll talk about him in a second too. I want to talk about him and his race tactics. But and he doesn't like to wait, Blumenfeld, until the end. He doesn't want to be around anyone in, in the last kilometre. 
He just kind of surges and repeatedly surges until people just can't go with him anymore. And full credit to Max Studer. I know you've got a bit of inside information on him, Andy. He, he stuck to Blumenfeld for longer than I would have expected. But still, the last kilometre, it was all Blumenfeld. He looks like he's going full gas when he comes out the gate of T2. He just keeps finding extra gears. This is a tactical thing, the way he, the way he does that. He doesn't want to be in a group, of, a group sprint at all. Yeah, I mean, he's, he sort of races, like when you see him on the run, I guess as on the bike, incredibly aggressively. And I think he, he puts a bit of fear into to his fellow competitors. You know, no one wants to be close to him towards the finish. I mean, going back to what you're talking about, is, has he peaked too early? I mean, I think you're right, Macro. I think it is part of the plan. I think the athletes need to race. We've seen that from some of the results. You know, there's a big difference from being training fit to racing fit. Yeah. You know, there's still, you know, a good few weeks out, but I imagine what he's going to do is, is really capitalize on these races and then go back and do another block of training before he hits the Olympics. Um, you know, and if all goes to plan and he has luck on his side, doesn't pick up any niggles, I mean, wow, he's going to be on fire. Um, I don't know, yeah, if you want to touch on um, Max Studer, I mean, what an amazing result. He actually ran quicker than Christian Blumenfeld, so two seconds quicker over the 10K, but he lost about six or seven seconds in transition, so he had the slowest transition, certainly out of the top 10 athletes by far. Um, wow, I mean, I don't know if you want to touch on him now or if you've got anything more on Christian Blumenfeld. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, you know, I think, I think he, you know, he's an athlete that's won... Um, he won, what did he do? He got a, a World Cup victory in Tongzhong in, in two, uh, 2019. He's under Brett Sutton. So, you know, and it, which is an interesting one because everyone says Brett doesn't train, you know, men, he trains women. But, and I think Brett's plan was with Max was to take him forward to Paris. But this is what's happened, hasn't it, with this last year? Mm. You know, some brilliant athletes are going to hugely lose out as the next generation moves through. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, he showcased how well he runs. You know, Brett, Brett's always been very famous for the way he can get women to world titles. And he's, he's, I consider the greatest coach of women triathletes in the world, and his success hasn't been as deep on the men's side, though it has been. He has been very, very successful. He had he took Tim Don to a world championship. He he worked a lot with Ben Bright back in the day, to, who was fifth at the Olympic Games, a junior world champion. He has had Rito Hoog trained with him. He's had some very exactly Johns, silver bronze in Sydney. Bennett, went through. Yeah, but, but I, I saw it with Max. Like Max has run, dropped a twenty nine oh four for a young kid off one year. Like we've all been in in lockdown, so you've only come off training blocks. You have only done the work on the track in in a training environment. He's probably been up there in Saint Moritz with Brett running around that track and and Brett feeding that that desire or that drive in a young athlete. Brett has an uncanny ability to make you believe anything is possible. Uh, he he really does, and and he, he you sort of walk out of a Brett Sutton training camp or training environment with a true belief that you work harder than anybody and you are well and truly worthy of winning an event. And and you saw that the way he took that to Christian Blumenfeld. And as you, as you touched on, Annie, had he tidied up his transitions with something which will come with more racing, transitions start to come better and you refine that crap, he wins the race. He is in front of Christian Blumenfeld on the weekend. So it, he, I thought he had a marvellous race and he's coming he, exactly what – what uh, Brett promised, he's coming to the forefront of, of World Cup racing. He was he was in it from the swim. He ran, what, swam 16 and a half, which off a 16-15 was first out of the water. So he's only 15 seconds from the front, so he can swim in a quite a congested swim and a difficult swim there in Lisbon. He was always positioned well on the bike. Tardy transition, but dropped the fastest run of the day to finish second. A big future for Max. Yeah, absolutely correct. And obviously he's part of that uh, mixed team relay team as well that now booked their spot. Uh, at the Olympic Games. If you didn't watch the race, I mean, it played out, well, at the start, it played out like it usually does. Richard Varga led the swim um, after a false start, which you don't see that often. Uh, they got called back. Um, but when they did get in the water properly, Richard Varga did what he does. Um, uh, but it was a big field, 70 people, um, but the swim didn't break them up and a big group uh, formed on the bike, which, of course, that happens in 2021. That's what we do now. We do huge groups on the bike. Um, I guess it's the course in some respects. The course um, was a bit like that. Schomburg, Blumenfeld, Mislachuk, Van Riel, 
Gordon Benson was amongst the lead pack, uh, but there were big names that weren't there, like Mario Mola, Casper Stornas, Gustav Eden. Eden just got the job again of dragging the group, the second, the chase pack back to the main group, which they did. So there's 50 plus athletes coming into T2. And then Schomburg did what he always does and just, just went off on his own. I, so where we stand with Jonas Schomburg's race tactics, he always seems to find a way to break away from everyone. And then, so, you know, he, I mean, he came in the top five. So, you know, you could kind of count that as a win. But is he doing what's the smartest thing to do? Is does does he need to sometimes sit back and just play his cards the right way? Or does he go, This is the way I do it and I'm gonna hang on as long as I can and I wouldn't get a better result if I just held a few of my matches back? What do you think? I, I- I think he's evolving as an athlete. I think up until probably the last 18 months, or probably a bit longer because I keep forgetting about the lost year, but I don't think he ever saw himself as a runner. I don't think Jonas had confidence in that run. He was definitely a swimmer with a big bike. He had that height. He could run, but I don't think he he had truly grown into that confidence as a runner. So he always felt that need to to lay down the smack. When you see a semi-desperation on a bike by an athlete, it's always this innate fear within their own head to create a margin of error if they can get it because they don't want to back a run. Usually a, a very, very strong runner is happy to close gaps and keep a group together because they know their their big attack strategy is on that run. But Jonas's run is improving race by race. He's, you know, he's 29 and a half minute 10K. Like it's solid running, right? He's right there. I just think he's he's probably two or three races off that confidence as a runner, and he probably needs to deliver a big race win with a run win to build that confidence. But I think, yeah, we're probably 12 months off from seeing him com- come as a more rounded, strategic racer. Right now, he's just happy to be in the front. You see that sort of, yeah, I'm at the front. I'm, I'm going to apply some pressure. He's feeling that he's finding his strength as an athlete, and he just needs to find how to properly back that run because he's definitely got the arsenal to win a run. He's only got 20 seconds off off Blumenfeld on the weekend, which is, you know, and Christian is the form athlete at the moment. He's running quicker than Moller at the moment. And if he can refine that, it's uh, Moller's got a lot of improvement, but I think he's right in the hunt. He just needs to fix up the way he attacks those races. I, I think that um, he's going to be on the podium of a, of a World Triathlon or World Championship Triathlon Series event um, by the end of the year, because I, I think that was one of his best performances yesterday, actually. I know it's a World Cup, right? We didn't have Vincent Luis there. We didn't, you know, there was a whole host of, you know, great triathletes that weren't there. But that was exceptional for him. And every time he's chipping away, I mean, don't you remember? I mean, yeah, we've lost that year. But, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, he was so much slower. The swim is so confident on. He's right up there at the front, you know, of the lead pack. The biking, we know, he's exceptional technically. He's really good. He's incredibly strong. He's brave. And that run yesterday, 29-31, you know, every race, he's just hanging on a bit longer. And I think, you know, all three of us would say, oh, ridiculous tactics a year or two ago. But actually, you know, bizarrely, it's, it's paying off. You know, every time it race, he's staying out, you know, front longer. And, you know, I thought I thought he was going to get third yesterday. But, you know, we'll have to chat about Spaniard because that was something else as well. You know, God, where are all these guys coming from? It's, it's crazy. Now, um, one other thing I want to touch on, the UK team, well, Team GB, the, the water's got a little murkier on the weekend as well. Uh, Gordon Benson came sixth. DNF for Tom Bishop in his five weeks of five races and try to get Ali Brownlee to the Olympics Challenge. Um, where do we, where, what now is, is my question. Like, what, where, where does, <laughs> I think that the, if you're the selectors, you would have sat and watched that race and just been like, oh, what, what do we do? So, yeah. so it looks like no, no second spot. I mean, Mac, we talked about this this morning. What, what, give us the rundown as you see it as where we're up to. Well, we talk about it all, all the time on the podcast because we're so intrigued. It's the Alistair Brownlee story in this whole Olympic story, right? So it's not that we're so focused on the UK, but. You know, it's a, it's an amazing story in the sense that, but where, where they are now is, you know, from memory, looking at it and going through the, Bishop's now a maximum point. So every race he does, he has to drop points to accumulate points. So if, if, if that makes sense, we've got five more scoring races. He's got the maximum amount of points to score. So if he's to score more points in the next race, we have to drop a race and take those new points on. So the, the task is getting harder and harder and harder. He can't have any stuff ups. From the way I look at it, and I've run, there is still a possibility for them to get three spots. It is, but man, it's it's like it's a, it's a, a very very strong headwind they're they're facing to do it. It's going to be very 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 tough. He, there's no margin for error, 
And you basically need to build a group of athletes, a group of men around Tom to help him score points because every point matters. Oh, wow. I, I really feel for Tom Bishop. You know, he's a guy I really like. You know, that means nothing. You know, what, what's important is his athletic performance. Um, but he is talented, you know, but somehow he's just, you know, do you remember the race back in Abu Dhabi where he, yeah. he got second? And I just thought, this is it. This is what I thought, Tom. I've known Tom for years. I thought, this is it. This is what we expected from him. And he hasn't really delivered again since then. He got very, I think it was sixth in Leeds. He races well in Leeds. Um, apparently, he's racing in Italy next weekend at this World Cup. I mean, what would you do? The sensible thing would be to sit him out, you know, get him doing a little bit more training, recover, and then send him to Leeds in really good shape, I think, and get the guys working for him. He knows, of course, although it's different, we know it's different this year, but he, you know, he's on home soil. So I think it's a really tough job that Tom's got. Five races in three different continents in five weeks. That's third off the back of what? No racing at all. That's, that's, you know, I feel sorry for the guy. I really do. I'm putting it out there. And to jump on that, Annie, not only has he got five races in on three different continents in the next five weeks, but that's to potentially qualify another athlete for the Olympics, right? It's not as if, hey, Tom, you go and do this and you make the Olympic Games. It's, hey, Tom, you go and do this, get the third spot, and we may pick you. Highly unlikely we will, but we may. So it's, uh, you know, where is the incentive to some degree to drive? If you're Alistair Brownlee, you're like, look, mate, Flick, 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 there's a bit of cash. Um, I'm going to come to every single race with you and I'm going to set it up so you can get me to the games. I need you to work hard for me. It, it's You're sort of in that position now, right? It's 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 a, it's a very, very I – don't, I don't envy the position that Tom's in, that's for sure. Yeah, well, he might get rested. He, he might be rested this week. I don't – we don't know. But on that list for Italy, the World Cup, is Alistair Brownlee and Johnny Brownlee and Mario Moller and Ben Canute and Christian Blumenfeld. I mean, there's a whole bunch, but – what I mean, Alistair's rumours rumours that he's battling an ankle injury of some description. It's hard to find any details out about that. Obviously, they're playing the cards pretty close to their chest at this point. But will we see him on the start line? He's down on the list. And if we do, what kind of performance does he have to have? Um, and will it tip the scales in any way about the second position, which still isn't decided yet? So, I mean, like, and we'll start, I guess we'll start with you. The, you know, what, what do you... What do you think? I mean, if Alistair Brownlee comes out and wins this race, obviously he's had two top three finishes in the last two races he's had, but they didn't count in the grand scheme of things. Um, so what do we need from him? Yeah, well, what we need is for him to... Well, yeah, I mean, that if he does, but we don't, you know, it's def difficult. I don't want to sit here and guess about what's going on in his training or with his injury, you know. He might be flying around the track right now. The last thing I heard a couple of weeks ago was that he did have an injury that had flown back um, from the training camp, I think if that's right, and um, and that he wasn't running. And we know how susceptible he is to these kind of lower leg injuries. So, firstly, he's got to be running, you know, to go to the Olympics. You know, he he's not going there, as we talked about in the last podcast, to, you know, go and help someone else out or help Alex G win a medal or something if they did get that third spot. Um, so, I just think it, it would be kind of, you know, a, it's a bit of a guessing game as to what he might do in Italy. What about Gordon Benson? That was a pretty amazing performance yeah. from him. Uh, I mean, I guess he's, he's, he's now moved up ahead of... Uh, um, Alistair, I think he's 92nd or something in the Olympic rankings. Um, Alistair just behind him. Um, wow. Oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really giving you any answers here. But, no, yeah, but that's, all right. that's what we do here. We engage in wild speculation, speculation. Thing about things with actually no information. We just speculate. We just speculate. Try to make some headlines so that Super League can then, like, clip it up and put an Instagram. Yeah, always say, say something outrageous. Please. Always put saying so-and-so... Brownlee, Maka says Brownlee won't make Olympics. Well, I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did because we forced you into it. Remember, you're like, oh, I don't want to say it. I'm like, say it now. And you're like, okay, well, I don't think he's going to make it. Then the lights went on in Super League headquarters. They were like, that's the headline right look, there. I, I think, look, yeah, as you said, if you're Alistair Brownlee, you, you know, anyone who's been through an Olympic cycle and what this is the sixth time, sixth Olympics for triathlon, no one ever talks injuries coming prior Olympic selection. Even if you can't walk, no one needs to know about that, right? You, you, you get selected on the team and you try and be ready for the race and you drop out and let the alternate take the spot if you're not ready. So we're not going to hear whether Alistair Brownlee is injured or not, so it's not surprising, Will, that you're not 
finding out that information. So the only assumption is that he's not. So, uh, But if you're Alistair Brownlee going to this next race, it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's only one person you need to assist, and that is Tom Bishop, right? And, and Alistair will be aware of that. Him winning the race does nothing if they've only got two spots. Yeah, but it does. they haven't picked Alex Yee yet. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, does he still have... Does he still have if he comes in and he's just dominant, you know, that obviously he's got to get him some some kudos with the selectors. Yeah. Um they'll take an individual gold over I don't know. I mean Yeah, it's it's just it's whether the selectors are sitting there thinking when you only have two slots, both your athletes are then must be relay racers. So do you pick like we just heard that the French team have been informed that the relay is their primary focus. Right? That's uh, they've picked a relay team a relay Olympic team to some degree and then the individual athletes are selected a uh, selected secondary. In, in their selection policy, it was about relay first, individual racing second. Happened to be that Vonson is is an individual. Yeah, they're all individuals, though. You wouldn't have picked a different team anyway. It's easy to say that. You know, Pierre Lacour missed out, and you, you've got Emily Moreau missed out. There's a few that potentially could have gone in a different capacity but they picked relay first that's what they defined in their selection and then the individuals got as an extension of that relay and, and that's the question whether the uk or australia or others will do the same is that if you only have two slots you do you sacrifice your relay for an individual would you take that risk on alistair brownley and if we all agree that ye is probably a better relay racer than brownley even though brownley is on record the greatest olympic distance athlete that has ever lived is there's question marks over his last couple of years he's been doing long course racing. Why do, you think, why do you think Alex Yi is is better relay? Athlete? I just think he's uh he's smaller. I think he's I I think he's runs dynamic. I think most of the time you're going to come down when you look at most of those relays, and I always tend to to look at that Hamburg relay, which tends to be the world championship, even if it's not every year of relay racing. You're always looking at a, a, a Bert whistle. You're looking at Louis. You're looking at these these shootouts on that last male run leg, and you need someone like a yeah like I'd hate to come up against Alistair Brownlee. Don't don't get me wrong on that, but it, it's I, I do think in a sprint finish at the moment, Bert Whistle and, and Yee and, and Mola and these others probably have his measure. They wouldn't have four or five years ago. Yee is an unknown, and I think he has the potential over that type of distance to run these guys off their feet. He's the only one who's he's the quickest runner in the world. At a relay, you don't kill those legs like like you do. It's going to be stinking hot uh, come race day. He's a lot smaller. If there has been an Achilles heel, and there's not many of them, if Alistair's watching, I'm not saying, if there ever has been an Achilles heel that we've questioned on on the Brownleys, it has been hot weather racing, right? And uh, so it's just, it's all these things I'm assuming as a selector, and I've always been one to, to pick on selectors because I don't know how their minds work. But as a selector, I would be sitting there, and you have to weigh up these things. You have to put that relay that relay aside. Because I think the Brits, with the power of the women in the British team and the power of the men, are a legitimate chance an Olympic medal, right? So selecting that relay, the best relay races, is critical. You've already got Johnny. Now, does Alistair's presence and, and leadership in a team outweigh the potential speed of yee that's a question the selectors have I, I as we've said many times you have to be a brave person to leave alistair brownlee off this team but alex yee's put his hands up and it's very very difficult to look past him so i'm just glad I'm mm, i'll be very brave i'll be very brave to leave alistair brownlee out i reckon um anyway we move on tyler mislachuk now we, we haven't spoken much about him because he hasn't raced since october 2019 when he finished ninth in a world cup but just before that he was a tokyo test event winner and he really stamped his um, – that was his big moment, you know, and it, was, and it was a huge moment for him. And then, you know, oh, here we go, oh, Tyler Mizuchuk, he, he's going to have a great year, 2020, it's going to be huge, and then everything just went pear-shaped and he didn't race for 20 months. And then he comes back, he gets a flat tyre 18 kilometres into the race. Uh, he was in the lead pack. Uh, he didn't have an outstanding swim by his standards, but he, uh, he was sitting there and he felt good. Um, pretty disappointing. Before – and I've, I've interviewed him, and we're going to throw to it in a minute, but – Maka, just a quick comment from you on Tyler. I know you've had a lot to do with him. Uh, he, he's in Bahrain Endurance 13. Um, you, you know, MX is tied up with him as well. I mean, you obviously rate this guy. Uh, he's still young. He's only 26, and he's, he's got plenty of, plenty of, of racing. Oh, I'm a big fan him. of Tyler. I met him when he came across to Super League Racing. He just he, – he, from, the, from the minute I saw him run and the minute – and I've always got these bias to the old brigade, you know, he, he reminded me of Simon Whitfield and the, the same sort of running gait – 
the same sort of evolution as an athlete coming to Olympic Games, winning. You know, Simon Whitfield won his first international race in 1999. He won the Olympics in 2000. Before that, you know, he was he was just butthead, Whitfield. He was nobody, really, and he just came. And I saw that in Tyler. And, and what I really liked with Tyler looking at Tokyo is, in my opinion, he's the best hot-weather racer in WTS racing. He, he won the Watulko World Cup twice, the hot race. He won the big stinking hot race in the States, the World Cup. He won Tokyo test events, super hot. When you turn the heat up, it's very, very difficult to, to beat Tyler Mislachuk. And I'm an athlete that suffered numerous indignities in Kona because of heat. Heat matters. I don't care what you say on how good your swim, bike, or run on a piece of paper. When you turn up heat and humidity, it affects athletes differently. And it's it's a it's something you're born with. It's something you, you can refine, but it's something you, you, are, you just do naturally through genetics. And Tyler has shown time and time again, turn heat and humidity up. That guy does not slow down. He runs the same in 35-degree heat and 100% humidity as he does in 19 degrees and 10% humidity. He... So what you see is what you get with him, and I think he's going to be very, very dangerous in Tokyo. We saw that in Tokyo Test Event, and I was looking forward to seeing him race on the weekend, and it was tragedy to see him flat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he rode four kilometres and ended up changing a tyre. Did Still did a hard 10K at the back end uh, to come 51st or whatever, and I caught up with him uh, yesterday. So it was Sunday morning uh, just after the race. He was sitting in a hotel hallway, and here it is. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us, mate. And hang on, are you? Where are you right now? Are you on the patio? I'm, are you I'm, in a hallway? Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in a in a hotel hallway currently. Uh, life <laughs> electric here in uh, Lisbon, Portugal. The day after uh, day after the race. Hey. Well, thanks for taking the time to join us. And I, after I watched the race and I got to the midway part of the bike, I thought, oh, we've lost our podcast guest. He's not going to come on now. He's going to be too upset. Give us the race review for anyone who hasn't, se- uh, who didn't watch the race. Um, what happened? First race in 19 months, mate. How did it shake out? Well, first of all, I had a few dates lined up after the race. They all canceled, so we're still good to go here. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the race was first time in 19 months for me. So uh, pretty, pretty stoked to get back out there. And, uh, yeah, I had a flat tire at about 18K and had to ride it. Three to four k to the wheel pit, so uh, not great. Changed it, got back on, rode the last twenty k um, with my uh, teammate Matt Sharp and a few others, and then uh, got off and ran okay, but I couldn't see anyone the entire run, so it's it's hard to really get yourself motivated or fired up. And as soon as I crossed the line, got pulled over for doping control. So uh, was sitting in doping control with the three other guys who. Uh, on the podium and they were all calling their their moms and dads you know telling them about how good of a race it it was and i was sitting there just laughing going i got no one to call so i called my dad and we had a laugh and was telling him about it but uh yeah kind of the the race in a shortened down format i would say for you oh mate that is that is horrible and because when it happened i thought i i canceled all my plans for the whole weekend i went back and i watched every single race that you have ever competed in and oh yeah sure you did yeah, I did. No, I've got them all on DVD, uh, so I just oh, got yeah. them out. Yeah, I just got them okay. out. Yeah, my whole family, we all we got marshmallows. We sat around on the couch and we watched all Tyler back-to-back. We do it once a month. Anyway, um, <laughs> and you've never, had, you've never had a flat tire. Is that right? Is this the first one ever? First flat tire in my entire career, and it's a brand-new tire, looked over by a mechanic. It's just like everything that could have done right was done right and that's probably why i don't have any flats is because every race i buy a new tire because i'm just like if i can do anything right it's like buy a new tire take the extra few hundred bucks spend it buy it and you know save your race your headache and so when it happened i was like of course this is the first flat tire in you know 10 years of competing and it's after a a two-year hiatus i said like what i just yeah i couldn't believe it i'm like what are the chances you gotta be kidding me that does hurt, but like I guess, and I said it in commentary as well. Is like if you're gonna have one, it's a good one to have. It's it's a better one to have than one in another ten weeks' time. Yeah, it's a good one to have, and it's a better one to have than uh, Vincent Louis in the grand final of uh, Singapore Super League a few years back with 100k on the line. I didn't quite have that much on the line, but more just mentally from a perspective, I was just pretty bummed, you know, like not 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 that it was the end of the world, but. 
first time in two years, you like to go through the, you know, it's good to go through the motions of racing. I've trained so much over the last two years that I was just excited that even if I come, you know, 14th place that I was going to go through the motions again and kind of kickstart the year. So a bit delayed on that front, but at least I didn't lose a, almost lose a hundred K. That's very true. That's very true. Um, it takes me back when you talk about that. Uh, I can picture that exact moment, but um, forget Vince. Vince, Vince didn't win the test event. We don't want to talk about Vince. Um, <laughs> what, what I want to talk about though, is you talked about, you know, there's a bit of ring rust there. Obviously you spend 20 months. You don't know where you're up to. You know, you train and train and train and train and train, and then racing is a completely different beast. Obviously, some people have been doing more than others. At least you had a good swim. Uh, you know, you're 15 seconds or so back initially. Like, that's probably where you set your race up from normally, like from what I know of your racing. So yeah. at least the first half of your race was on point until it went wrong. So there's probably some positives to take out of that. No, totally. There's some positives. And uh, I had a pretty rough swim, to be honest. I, uh, I came out the first lap, I think quite a bit further down and I made up some time on the second lap because I just wasn't fighting as much. So, um, some positives to take from that at least. And, uh, yeah, we had a bit of a false start. I don't know if you saw that, but I, uh, I nailed the first start and for whoever false started, I guess they called us all back. Uh, and so I just was like, damn, that used up my good start. And of course I had a bad second start. Uh, but it is what it is, but yeah, definitely positive. Got on the bike, got in the lead group right away. Um, was getting abused by Blumenfeld as usual, so it was a good spot to be. That's how you know you're in a good spot. If if you're getting yelled at by the other lads, you know you're in a you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that because you know, like I mean, I'm sure you watched Yokohama. Obviously, you weren't there. Um, uh, it was sad not to see you on the start line there after so long. But um, what it did seem, we talked about this in the previous episode of the podcast, was there was no general out there controlling the action. Um, everyone seemed content to sit back a little bit. Normally you've got Ali Brownlee up there abusing everybody uh, and getting him into shape. And that's why there was this huge bike pack. And the same thing, vaguely, the same thing happened this time around as well. But Blumenfeld took that role on a little bit more and obviously he went back to back. Um, and did I mean, you've obviously looked at more of the race since it happened. Do you feel yeah. like, you know, these large bike packs now and no one be able to do a breakaway? I mean, it seems like a change in tactics without a guy like Alistair there. And then Vince obviously had a bad day and, and didn't take control um, like we thought he would in, in Yokohama. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely, it's hard. Um, I think to race like in the smaller field, so like the Olympics or WTSs, you have 10 or 20 less guys. I think that makes a difference. When you get into these World Cups, there's 75 guys lining up yesterday. So it's just hard to create gaps over the water. Uh, and yesterday's course was was hard because of the nature of it, but it was very on-off with long straights. So just a hard course to get away with in general. And I think even if Al- Alistair was here yelling at the boys or whoever, I think it's just a tough course to, to stay away. Um, I think, like, of course, like leads, like coming up here, that, it, you know, they could you could see breakaways. Um but it, it, it is tough with the, the bigger fields. WTS is, like I said, 10 last with 65. But you generally need that guy who's getting people motivated, whether he's yelling at them or cheering them on, uh, to kind of get the boys rolling up front. Because, again, people don't want to roll if, if others aren't rolling because if he's not rolling, why am I going to roll? I have to run against some type of mentality. Um, and so it's 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 a hard one, and the guys in the back are always just going to ride as hard as they can until they're back in the race because you can't win the race from chase back nowadays. So um, you know it's 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 kind of fifty you know fifty fifty because you're pushing risking it at the front versus the guys in the back have nothing to lose. They want to ride all as hard as they can to get back in the race. So it's it's almost like you're in a good position. Why mess it up? Versus I need to get back in the race type of mentality. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, even as I said, you've been out for nineteen or twenty months. I just that is such a huge chunk of an athlete's career um, that you haven't been able to race for. It's like ridiculous, like how long it has been. So, I mean, how did you process that whole period mentally? I mean, obviously the uncertainty of it. Every athlete's different. You're obviously, you know, you train with people. You train by yourself as well. I mean, how did you mentally cope with that entire period? And did you have periods of time where you were just like this is too hard, I don't want to do it, I can't keep training. Did you have flat spots and, and and how did you pull yourself out and how did you motivate yourself when there's so many question marks? Yeah, that's a – I might have been an exception to the rule. Like I definitely had 
lack of motivation at points, but I'm a routine based guy. So I would set a schedule with my coach and just get out and do it because I, I figured that most athletes and most people, like the hardest thing is getting out the door every day is just getting out the door. And I just said, if I can get out the door every day, the training's going to take care of itself. Because once I get out there, you usually love it, you know, after 10, 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes not. Sometimes you're, you're on the bike for two hours and you're like, this wasn't great. But <laughs> we're all human. But I think, yeah, motivation, like when you talk motivation or different things like that, it's not necessarily fake, but it's not the driving factor in me. And like I set a schedule and I just completed it and didn't overthink it. Uh, we definitely set small goals throughout. So like we would do testing, which we don't typically do that much testing because you're racing 15 or 20 times in the year. That's my testing. I don't need to do anything else to see if I'm in good shape. So we worked up to those. And what I found was I could go hard, but I couldn't go as hard as I could in racing because I just, I love being shoulder to shoulder with someone, hearing someone breathe and putting the stuff around them or them putting the stuff around me. And so I think that's what I miss most. And that's when I talk about yesterday's race a bit sad that, I got off the bike behind and so I didn't get to rub shoulders with people. I still ran like hardish, um, but I didn't get to rub shoulders or someone's sweat drop on me by accident, you know, that type of thing uh, that I missed definitely training. And I surrounded myself with a lot of good, good athletes and good people that I like hanging out with, you know, four or five other Canadian guys and a British guy. So I think that's the main thing is just having people to get me out the door in this, this whole time. And, if you're doing it with people you like, just like, you know, if you're working with people you like, it's a heck of a lot easier. No, no, I have to work with Macca though. So I'm a, I, do I know it's too question. bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> After that whole answer, the, the, the main thing I took out of it was that you, you miss people dripping sweat on you. Um, so I'm just going to, yeah, that. as soon as I said it, I regret it. I go, God, mm. he's going to roast me for this. I don't have to. You roasted yourself. I, mean, I, just brought, I just brought it up, just throwing it up. The other thing is, like, if you don't get out the door, how are you going to take shirtless photos of yourself running in groups or also doing chin-ups or just or generally showing before and after photos of how you're way more jacked now? Like, I mean, you can't do that if you're not training. Like, it's no point, you know? Well, you can do it. Just mirror selfies inside. But the lighting, I'll tell you right inside is not as good as outside natural light is the way to go i've been really doing my research here and yeah natural mm. light so that's the main thing of getting outside i mean the lighting is just so much better for for my skin i believe well i mean i can see that now you've obviously you're next to the window you thought about this and it's beautiful yeah. like one of my, my good side on this side yeah yeah like this yeah. it's really bringing out that little chin dimple which is the ladies must enjoy i don't know i, I don't know I'm they call it a butt chin when i was growing up but yeah. The dimple but nice. the tables have turned now, right? Yeah. Maybe when you're growing up. Now, Friday's mixed team relay. No no tempt for that, no not tempted by that one at all? No, definitely, definitely tempted. Um, we still have a shot to qualify as our second girls racing today, and so if she is able to get in the top fifty, I believe, we're gonna get a relay team. So I guess the team Canada just weighed the options and thought that was the way to go. Uh, but I love racing the team relay. I mean, it's just like super league. It's short, fast. And I grew up playing team sports. I grew up playing hockey, like ice hockey. And uh, in Canada, we just call it hockey. But uh, I love, I love, I love the team aspect of it. And like for me, like it's it's so fun to like finish and like you know fist bump your teammates and know you, you gave it a good crack and keeps you honest. So I definitely, uh, I'll be very sad if we don't have it at the the games, but. Again, my main priority is the individual race, so it's more I have to focus on that. And if I can do it really on top of that, that's great. But my focus has to be on the individual if I want to try to get one of those shiny things around my neck at the end of the day. Well, who joins you? Who joins you on the Olympic podium? I mean, like you're gonna like you pick a spot, <laughs> pick your spot, and then who takes the other two spots? What's your what's your what's your trio? What's your trifecta? Have you uh, have you watched many of the races nowadays? It's someone different every weekend. I mean, other than the last two weekends where Blumenfeld's run away with it. But uh, I think the year before COVID was uh, only one person won two WTSs, and that was Jake Bertwistle, and the rest were won by someone different every weekend, uh, including myself at the Testament. So um, I don't I, – when I go into – when you go into a race like this, I think – some people may have targets, you know, they're at targeting certain athletes and that. It's just not the way I race. Even like this weekend, I'm going in and going, all right, I want a good result, but 
there's no one I'm specifically targeting. And when I get on the run, I just have to think that I can run with everyone. Uh, and that's the way I'll set my race up is that I got to be able to run as fast as anyone in the race, whether I'm in uh, one giant group or a group of 15 off the front. And I think it doesn't change preparation. And this is a very political answer because I'm not giving you the names. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, honestly, it's, it's not it's not a straightforward answer, and I say I think like looking at it, talking. There's 15 athletes who 15 to 20 athletes who could be on the podium on different circumstances, um, and we'll see. It's hard to tell now, like because an athlete right now who's winning doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the Olympics. I mean, they could, but the two aren't necessarily together, right? They're they're separate Absolutely. entities. That's it. Okay, well, okay. So you're not going to give me an answer for that. Fine. How about you take yourself out of it for a second? We're recording this, this part of the podcast, before the women's race today. Right? So the women's race is going to take place in uh, a few hours. What's your tip? Because this is obviously going to go out after the women's race, so we're going to find out whether or not you're any good at tipping. Who will win the women's race? I don't know. It could be someone unexpected. Like You could have someone like a, maybe like a Sandra Dole win the race or something like this because she's just – you know, she's not on the French Olympic team. There's two spots and she could be someone who's like fired up to go race. She's an amazing runner. Uh, we've seen her run really quick in the past. So like, it could be, I feel like it could be someone like that this weekend. Uh, I don't think she raced Yokohama. Um, so maybe she's a bit so. fresher. Um, but again, it, it, I almost am almost someone who's been slighted uh, in the last few weeks. I would pick someone like that. Uh, not slighted, but just you know, not not their ideal situation. She she's fighting for an Olympic spot still, so you could have someone like that. And then obviously any of the favorites are, are up there, but that could be a dark horse pick for me. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, okay, all right. So we move past Tokyo, that minor warm up race, and then we get into Super League. Uh, four weeks in a row, London, music, Munich, Jersey, Malibu, everyone together in the team bus staying in the same hotels, like a little world tour. What, when you saw that, when it was announced, what was your reaction? And were you just like, yep, sign me up straight away? Or how did you feel about where we're up to with Super League and, and the little world tour of September? Well, you know me, four weeks of getting sweat on that. How could I say no to that? <laughs> uh, no, I, they, I said, is Will going to be on the bus? And they said, yeah. And I said, as long as I can sit by Will, I sign me up, hey? Uh, that is the answer I was after. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty because uh, it's because we're sitting in alphabetical order. That's the only reason, right? Yeah. Well, that's why we have to worry about Chris as well. Yeah, and so it's just you and me and Macca and Charlotte McShane. I don't know if she's in it this time. <laughs> it's just the themes. Yeah, it could be a good back of the bus party, hey? Um, <laughs> no, but but I I uh, I think after the. Uh, after this small warm-up race, as you spoke about in Tokyo, I think I'm looking to do some racing. Uh, I'm not racing as much at the start of the year, so uh, it's 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 perfect. It's four weeks of being back in the mix with people that I haven't seen in a while or haven't seen a lot of. Uh, it's a fun time socially. It's a fun time racing uh, when it's finished. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's something that's just completely different and motivates me. Um, I'm sure after the Olympics that um, – There'll, there'll be some motivation dips, uh, even though I said they're fake. I'm sure they'll – so getting out racing, my fitness will be good after the Olympics. So kind of trying to cash in on that in a sense that, you know, I've done all this training. I might as well do some racing. Um, you know, I haven't earned a, haven't earned a prize check uh, in 19 months now. I was hoping yesterday, but not to be. So definitely there's a multitude of factors. But seeing people, being back out on the course, Super League, something just completely different. Um, I just fired up to race again, mostly. Like that, that's what it comes down to. I'm a bit concerned. Is that because you haven't earned a prize check for 19 months? Is that why you're sitting in the hotel hallway? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I couldn't pay for the hotel room today, so it's uh, mm. it's just right here. Hey, mate, I might curl up in a little towel over there after. And also, people yeah, put could their be worse. food out. They put their food out like after they've eaten. Like there's often a fair bit of food left on those plates. Yeah, most most people only get food uh, food carts once a night, and I get like all all the food carts. Yeah. It's like a buffet. It's like a really yeah. long, 
room, very long room. Some would, some would say it's as nice as the Four Seasons, but um, to, for debate. But only people who haven't been to the Four Seasons. Well, buddy, I'll uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you go. I know you've got to go and do COVID testing and all a whole bunch of other stuff there before you jet out of Lisbon. I know you're racing in Mexico in a couple of weeks' time. Be nice and warm, uh, which is good for you, obviously, because you're about twelve kilos. And then Tokyo, <laughs> best of luck, bud. Um, good luck Thank in that one. Sir. I'd love to see you crossing the line and with the arms out again. And I noticed that you put your arm up with your Olympic rings a few times during this video. So that's that. just reminding us exactly what you've been doing. Um, so, I mean, thanks for, you're thanks like for my, the time. You're exactly like my mates from home. If I even, like, I can't wear anything other than logs because they'll just roast me. Like, I'll be going to do, like, pick up a plate and they go, oh, you're showing your Olympic tattooed buddy. Way to go. Good job. You went to the Olympics. Um, well, you, <laughs> you could get another one. You're going to go to another Olympics now. So why don't you get, like, the rising sun on your back like Vince's owl, like massive. What kind of iPhone do you have? That's a strange question. I, I don't know. I like the 12. Well, I'm just thinking when we're on tour of Super League, I usually like someone to take shirtless photos of me. So I'm hopeful that it's good quality. It's quite good. Like portrait mode would probably get you like – you know, if we got a good lighting, you probably get a few likes. I'm out. Yeah, 20, I got a 20. six here, so that, that, that you got a six. You got yeah. an iPhone six. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm you really do need some prize money. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know it? All right. So, is there any like, like do you have like a, a GoFundMe or something you want to plug before I let no, you? No, no, I'm I, I'm kidding. I'm I'm very well supported. I, <laughs> as you know, I joined Bahrain Endurance this year. Thirteen. I'm. I've got a, a whole slew of people who really support me. And so honestly, without them, that this would be a tough 19 months, but I'm, I'm well supported by them. And uh, honestly, just grateful to be that people uh, haven't forgotten about me and they're still believing in me moving forward. So uh, I was hoping to show them a bit of a taste yesterday, uh, but they'll, uh, they'll have to wait another three weeks. Eh? Maybe, a, maybe a little Mexican uh, sunrise. Absolutely, mate. Well, best of luck. Uh, I know you're in fantastic shape. You look like you were going great guns there for half of the race. Uh, we'll see you in Mexico, and more importantly, we'll see you in Tokyo. Tyler, thanks so much for your time, brother. Cheers, mate. So, Tyler Mislachuk, taking it taking it on the chin, actually. I thought he'd be a bit more upset. When I saw him DNFing, I thought, oh, he's not going to do this interview anymore. He's going to get upset because some athletes will be like that. But he was super relaxed and, and happy to chat. And, um, you know, he's just he's a guy, I reckon, that's just come on you know, physically, he's a lot stronger. He's got a few more kilograms on him. He's a lot more level-headed, but that's just what happens when you get into your mid-20s. Uh, and then you just continue every decade to put more and more kilos on uh, and then it just continues forever until you eventually... Yeah. Well, I'm not Annie, though. Annie looks the same, right? But then that's the... See, like, it's like doing the um, the arena games where we watch you, you do this, like, clip where you're like... Let's go and check the running machine, right? We're going to get on the air runner. And me and Mac are just sitting there eating chocolate while you're, while, you're, while you're doing it in the commentary box, just eating jelly snakes and stuff. You're like, oh, I'm just running. Just going to do a quick 25K, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, how am I doing? Oh, I probably look a bit stupid. And you're like, you know, just do the skinny jeans on and the whole running. And we're just like, <laughs> So, so you're not counted in that part of it. Uh, but anyway, you're looking far more, far more race ready than the rest of us. Um, let's go on to the women's. Uh, Nicola Spearing, we talked about her. She's an absolute machine. Um, could grab another medal if her performance is anything to go by. Um, was 30th placed in the swim, 30 seconds back. Biked her way back to 18th by the end of lap one, 12th by the end of lap three. By lap five, she was leading. Um, but it didn't all go her own way after that. Carolyn Hayes, Google the name, never heard of her before, from Ireland, just, I mean, went some way to punching her ticket to Tokyo. She was great. Um, we've, we've, we've touched on Nicola already, but, um, Annie, I know you, you watched the whole thing, as we all did, and you, Carolyn Hayes, tell me about her because I don't know anything about her. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I think I was, I was like, wow, who is this girl? And I think we could all be forgiven for perhaps not knowing uh, she got 29th in test event uh, in Tokyo. She was 42nd in uh, Yokohama. She's a doctor. Um, she started racing in about 2014. I think she has a natural engine. She talks about how she, she came from a swim background um, and then did some marathon runner, running and was kind of knocking out three hours with, without any training. 
So there's obviously a good engine in there somewhere. Um, was it expected? God, no, but she looked fantastic on the run. She really did. And I think what was most impressive um, was the way Nicola caught her up and she didn't drop off. But, you know, she she just she sat with her and then she even had the balls to run in front of Nicola again, <laughs> um, which was really impressive. And wow, I mean, one to watch. Her swim time was, was pretty average, but then I looked back and I think she just had a bad swim. Um, I think the conditions for the women, like at some point in the race, they look, you know, fairly benign and okay. And then I think other angles showed quite a big swell. So she was way off the pace um, on the swim, but thankfully she had spirit to pull her up to the, the lead pack. Um, but she has swam re reasonably well before and she does come from uh, a swim background. So, wow, Caroline Hayes, yeah, 42nd in, you know, Yokohama to second in, in the World Cup yesterday in Lisbon. Outstanding performance. How hard is it? That just made me think about it. There's, I mean, you guys would know, right? So you say you're leading a race and you've led like a, a large chunk of the race like she did and then eventually some superstar eventually close close to the end comes up, runs alongside. You're pretty much defeated. Then you're like, I can't hold on. To hold on to that person then and for any length of time must mentally be extremely difficult because you're like, I'm so close. And I've led the whole way, and here she is. You can hear her. You can hear her footsteps, and then suddenly you get her in the corner of a vision, and then you're like, ah, oh, I'm cooked here. To, to, to come back then, I've never been in this position before, obviously. What, what is it? Because I'm always leading by such a long way. It's ridiculous, right? But, you know, in the family triathlons where I'm up against five-year-olds, what's that like? What kind of mental strength does that show, Macca, to, to then to not only hang on to someone who's an Olympic gold medalist, but then, to, as you say, right, and he's just right in front. So, I mean, I mean, how hard, how much mental, metal, mentally does that take? Look, when when that happened, as you said, it wasn't only that she got caught. She got caught by probably the greatest female Olympic distance athlete of all time, who who is renowned for being the biggest runner in the sport when she's on. And uh, you know, it looked that you know she was comfortable out in front. She was really monitoring her her effort. She didn't, you know, what, what I took away from Caroline's performance was it was such a, a, an experienced racing performance from a strategic point of view. She didn't rush that transition. She found a, she found a run, her run pace relatively early. She stuck to it. And when that pressure came from Nicola, she allowed that gap to close and then was able to go with Nicola. She was ultimately outrun in the end, but it wasn't by much. You know, I, I thought she just, she raced the perfect race. I was expecting... Vicky Holland, I was expect, expecting, you know, even Kirsten Casper, there was, you know, Summer Rappaport, they were all in this race, right? I was expecting a lot more of those athletes to apply a lot more pressure earlier in the run, and we just never saw them. So I, I just thought Caroline's performance was, you know, I think she'll take a lot of confidence from that. We're not going to see her at the Olympic Games, uh, uh, but we're not. Are we going to see her at the Olympics? Well, she they haven't chosen yet, so she's pushed her case forward. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we see that sort of progression from her because I think she's a big talent, and that, and that type of that type of racing tactic and that type of racing mind, it, it, you're born with that, and and you know to have the confidence to do that is uh you know this you start refining that and improving that yeah and she can she can do amazing things. I mean she's 33, so you know that we don't want to talk about age, but that's you know that's actually good. That works I think in her favour because she, she's a bit more relaxed um, and the maturity, fastest transition, and that was only her second. Well, she's only ever raced one World Triathlon Series Olympic distance events. So, you know, she's raced some African Cups, European Cup, you know, with a lot sort of lower tier athletes. So that's an outstanding performance. She's trained by Gavin Noble, a, a guy who has a huge amount of experience in triathlon. And I think they've seen the numbers over the last year or so. And they thought she was yeah. capable of doing something quite special. And she did deliver. You know, if she does get to Tokyo, the big question is, can she hang on in the swim? And, you know, will she have the likes of Nicola Spirik around her to pull her up? And if she does, again, she'll be a threat. She's a tidy runner. And, she, you know, she's petite as well. Yeah. So you know, she'll, she'll go well in the heat. What do you think of Vicky Holland? Because we, you know, I know it was the first race back in a while, and and you know she was there. She did, you know, when you see Vicky in that in that run form that she gets into, and she and she gets into that peak, she's a remarkable racer. She's a very very clever racer. She's a marvelous runner. She just 
didn't seem to have that gear across any of the disciplines yet. Well, I think I think she will be pleased with her. She would have been pleased with her swim because actually she was right up there. And you know, her swim generally is really good, but she can have some dodgy swims. So I think she would have come away with a lot of confidence from that swim. And the bike as well. You know, she kind of did what she had to do. You know, you know, Vicky is not someone who will, I think, set the pace in the bike. You know, she rides well, but she's happy to kind of sit in, take her turn if necessary, but just keep out of trouble. And the run, she was a little bit off the pace, but it wasn't massive, Maka. I mean, she's got a bit of work to do. I think she'll admit it herself. I think it was around about, yeah, she was she was 50 seconds yeah. down. Uh, yeah, 50 seconds down so yeah that's it that's a chunk to make up but again she raced in sprint distance in wales a week before that so you know she'll need vicky's the sort of athlete i think that needs the 10ks in her leg quite a few of them to, mm. to find that that real speed but overall i think you know it was an okay it was a, a solid positive performance from her she just needs a bit more speed because for me i remember the last race we saw prior to this whole pandemic vicky won the lullaby if you remember so that was sort of building into that at Tokyo 2020 before they cancelled the games on us and now we're looking at Tokyo 2021 and we're now 18 months later. Her race in Malulabar was, she was flying. I thought she looked remarkable across the three disciplines. Her run was so controlled. She planned to, to make the move when she did and, and she shut that down and won that race in, in, in style very, very comfortably. And and I was uh, I was hoping to see a bit more of that. I think she's got 60 days. I think it's plenty of time, but it was I was interested to hear your your opinion so and what about summer Rappaport? because i after yokohama do you think she's now into prep mode and just use this train through this event because i i, I don't know why summer went to race um i think that was a massively tough ask and the women although kirsten casper did race really well obviously finishing third um and, and the guys sort of fared maybe a bit better i think blumenfeld and Jonas schoenberg but it doesn't surprise me that summer didn't have mm. the run legs um i'm just is that a good call if you don't have to race to go from yokohama well same to- same with van real van real did the same thing yeah. why and then he dropped oh, off the back like like and he didn't do that on purpose. I mean, why did he? Why did he go? I don't know why he didn't just go and race a team relay and leave the individual. Yeah, but you know, yeah. who knows what goes on? We don't. We don't know. We're, this we're time, just this time last through. year, we were hoping they'd race more. Now we're telling them to race less. It's like, <laughs> well, maybe that's just because they just go. Oh, we'll we'll lock that in because it's been yeah. so long since we've raced. We just need to go race, or we just need to go do it. And then they're like, oh, I remember why I don't want to do this because I got to travel halfway across the world. And it's hard. It's hard work. Anyway, Kirsten Casper, you mentioned her. Like, I mean, she had a, her first podium in two years. She's she's kind of like the forgotten woman of, of I hesitate to say that, but, you know, of US superstar triathlon. Um, but it, well, it's not going to stop Katie Zafira from taking that spot. But still still good to see her or do Ta- a job. Or well, Taylor Spivey. You know, that, that American women's, the depth in the American women right now is remarkable. And Kirsten's had some some injury issues since we saw her in Super League racing and she's managed that. She's been training in Boulder. I follow her on, on, on social media and she was doing a lot with Taylor Nib in Boulder. So that training group has been doing great things. We saw Taylor in, win Yokohama and I thought, Kirsten, it's just great to see her back near the front of the field and back to – she looked like the old Kirsten Casper, which is – it's good to see because she's so talented and those injury issues of the last couple of years I think have robbed us. And then we had COVID – Robbed us of, of some some amazing racing from from Kirsten that we could have seen. Yeah, I mean prior, you know, in Super League, we've we've seen her. We had that whole period of time in Super League where it was just America yeah. one two three. So it was just Summer Kirsten, and they're both chasing Katie Zafiris, and they were just so so strong uh, during that twenty eighteen period. I just I, I've got in my mind that picture of them running up Mount Malta, and then just Katie just finding an extra gear at the back end, and that's when you that's when America was on top in the women's racing. There's no doubt about it. A couple other notables. Rachel Klammer came eighth from a Super League perspective. Nat Van Coverden finished 11th. She's obviously been in our arena games. Uh, good to see Rachel Klammer back. I haven't seen her race for a long time. And obviously Richard Murray's gone through through the ringer a bit with his um, with his AFib, uh, which I think he seems to be getting on top of. And that pretty much wraps us up. Has anyone got any more comments, questions, suggestions, did, thoughts about triathlon? Henry Schumann, he because he, he couldn't get into into Portugal for the race. He had an issue with the visa or something, or he didn't have a vaccine. And he went home and got the vaccine. Following him on social media, he he got crook for a couple of days. He was sick, so he thought I better get the vaccine. Yes, I was like, wow, it was it was it was interesting. So they put a picture up today that he's a lot better, but for two days he was down. 
So I was, yeah, eager to, eager to keen to find out. So I hope you're all right, Henry. Thinking of you, mate. Get better and uh, and back to racing. He's the only man. He's the only. He's already had COVID. He and Franzel got COVID yeah, already. We've already been through. He the always, he's, 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 he has a semi-fragile with the utmost fragile immune system because he always tends to get a little bit sick prior to races, and so uh, he got COVID. But it looked like the vaccine knocked him around a fair bit. So hopefully he comes back. That's what happens when you're 51 yeah. kilos. Yeah. Right? So it's fragile. Like, I get the vaccine. It wouldn't even bloody, wouldn't even touch the sides. I just go all oh, right. Oh, I'm 90 kilos. I just have it. It does affect the skinny people. It affects the skinny people, Will. You'll be absolutely fine, obviously, because um, I had it, and, I, and I, felt, I felt really crap for three or four days. Not that I'm a, an Olympic athlete or, or anything like that, but yeah, blah, blah, blah. if I was him, I, if he didn't need it to travel, I would have left it. What, uh, did I miss something there, <laughs> No, 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 no. I just tuned out during the middle of your backhanded it was comments. You, mate. There, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, right? Because when, like, I used to do, I used to before I started doing triathlon commentary and stuff. I used to do rugby league. Now everyone is like 110, 215 kilos, and gigantic. And I used to have this microphone. And I'd just be like this, this little guy, like holding it up. And then I came to triathlon. I was like Gulliver's Travels. Like I just come banging in, like, hey, and there's all these tiny people running around. And then you people think that's normal, but yeah, it's yeah. not normal. Okay. It's not normal to be that I had size. that with my wife. My wife's like, you're the first guy I've ever met when I started dating her that is trying to lose weight. Most of the guys I've dated are trying to bulk up. You're too skinny. Eat something, will you? I'm like, eating's cheating, darling. Eating's cheating. Because <laughs> <laughs> you people are you're not in the normal realm of human beings, right? Not at all. I've got a Jake Burt whistle. I've got the. I've got a Jake Burt whistle race suit downstairs. It's my. It's my one goal in life to one day put it on and be able to zip it all the way up. <laughs> I'm so far away from that. I'm like thirty kilos away. I've got the Blumenfeld one. Fit into. I've got a Blumenfeld one too. It's much more forgiving, but it's still extremely tight. And if you saw me in it. You wouldn't. I don't leave a lot to the imagination. Let's just put it that way. Um, I, I, I got. I went to the swimming um, pool a couple of weeks ago. Realised I picked up my twelve-year-old daughter's swimming costume, which is the same as mine. I got in it. I mean, I wasn't going to miss that bloody session that I'd like, you know, put the time out in the day, and I got it on. I mean, there were a few bits hanging out, but well, not the important bits. But I got Zoe's twelve-year-old cosy on. That's not bad, you is just, it? Okay. That is a, it's very impressive, but also you've just alienated all of our female listeners and male listeners oh, and everyone. No, no, you've become no. not relatable as a person anymore. You're not a relatable person. I'm going to go and eat some donuts, okay? And drink please do. Wine. Please post photos of it. I don't, I don't believe you at all. Uh, Macca will, though, 100%. He's going to do it in front of Big Brother. Because- okay, so I want to start Big Brothers on soon. I'm joking. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know how you watch that crap. I don't know either until I started watching it and then I got addicted. <laughs> the same thing happened when with food. <laughs> I didn't used to eat it, then I started and then I got addicted. Yeah, like it, it's seriously after this, it's going to be like sitting on the couch with one of those big blankets with a hoodie on and just a whole packet of chocolate biscuits watching Big Brother. It's going to be great. Good on you, man. Making it, see, bringing the level back down for everybody else. You go and hey, eat your lettuce leaves and send your 12-year-old cosy and just be better than us. That's fine. And we're going to wrap it up right now because I'm hungry. So thank you so much to both of you for joining us. Uh, another episode down. We're going to be back again after next weekend's World Cup too. So don't miss it. Um, make sure you check it out on wherever you get your podcasts or video podcasts from. If, you, if you're listening to this audio only, you can also see all of our pretty faces on YouTube as well. So uh, if you're that way inclined. Um, yeah, well, we all look a little different, don't we? And that's fine, isn't it, everyone? Yes. Yeah? Absolutely mm, good, fine. Good. Yeah. All right. See, <laughs> see you next week, everyone. Cheers. Bye.